This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And my name is Maximus Hunter, and we are joined in studio by our two reporters for the day. This is Chrissy Conklin with your local news. And this is Brittany Liskey with your campus news. Awesome. And we have a pretty cool show set up for you guys today. So we're going to kick it off with local news with Chrissy. But then after that, we're going to listen to the student parent organization with Olivia Martinez and Michaela Dalton. And if you don't know, the student parent organization is a group on campus that helps support students with kids. Yeah. And then after that, uh, we're going to go to Brittany Liskey with Campus News. And then we're going to have a little roundtable about a theater happening here on campus. Yes, it is. Uh, we're having a theater conference on campus this week. And so we thought we'd talk about our own experiences with the performing arts. <laughs> uh, and after that, I was lucky enough to talk earlier today with military captain Cassandra Ross. And Cassandra, uh, Captain Ross is the executive officer for the 120th Airlift Wing in the Montana National Guard, as well as Dr. Nick Pelosi. And he's the action officer for the Real Warriors campaign, and they're both there to talk to me about the campaign, which focuses on preventing uh, preventing mental illness in uh, military members and veterans, and also helping people with psychological trauma from military service find resources they need. So that was a really interesting conversation. We'll be doing that a bit later, and then we'll finish up our show as per usual. Yeah, so we have a pretty exciting show for you today, so make sure you tune in for all of that. But before we get to our actual show, we do have a question for you, and it's been kind of an office debate going around today. A, a serious office debate. A really debate. serious, a we've heated, been tallying, serious office debate. Um, and you might have seen it on Twitter, but we just want to know what your favorite OG original Girl Scout cookie is. So you can go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278, but we do want to ask everybody in the studio today what their favorite is so max what's your favorite well right i'm so glad you asked because it is <laughs> the undeniably best girl scout cookie the creme de la creme the tag along and if you disagree don't text it i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding only text in with tag along exactly no no i want to know your opinion even if it's wrong so, <laughs> wow! I feel very passionate. Like we said, this has been a heated debate. Jobs have been lost. People have been moved around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my job. Well, my job's not hanging in the balance, but Max's might be because uh, Hannah Copeland will agree with me that Samoas are the best Girl Scout cookie, undeniably, and it is leading in the polls. So, well, I don't know about. Let's see about the live show polls. Let's ask. Chrissy Conklin, what do you think? All right, so I can agree with Max a little bit that tagalongs are my favorite, but I do love to freeze Thin Mints, and when they're frozen, I like to eat those way more. Those are pretty great. So we're going to we'll call that one and a half votes for tagalongs and half a vote for frozen Thin Mints. All right, Brittany, I think you're our tiebreaker here. Well, well I'm winning, I guess. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> stick with Ren. Samoas are my number one. You can't beat that caramel chocolate combo with the coconut. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Okay. Yes. That's a valid point. But also, Sam's in the studio. Sam, what's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Say tagalongs. Thin mints. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So I guess that puts tagalongs and thin mints tied at one and a half votes. And I guess right now, Samoa's our winner with two votes. But if you want to change those numbers, text in to 970 491 5278. That's 970 491 5278. And let's even these Girl Scout cookie odds. What are your favorite Girl Scout cookies? Maybe even why? Yeah, go ahead and uh, text us in, or you can uh, go onto Twitter at KCSU or 90.5 KCSU or at KCSUFM is our tag um, and vote on there too. Change the numbers a little bit, and we'll be giving you live updates on what that is later in the show. We won't make this too much of an issue, but if you don't want to change those numbers, uh, if there's something you feel really passionately about... Like me. Support your tagalong. Yeah, Support really your local tagalong. Tagalong fam. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and text us in. Um, but we're going to move right along to a little bit of local news with Chrissy. All right. Good afternoon. This is Chrissy Conklin, your local news host on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I hope you're all enjoying this beautiful sunshine we're having here today. I know I am. Uh, let's jump right into the local news that we've got for you today. The city of Loveland, Colorado, announced that they'll be initiating a pipe ramming project starting today, located east of Taft Avenue on 29th Street. Construction crews will be welding together 20-foot pipe sections and ramming them under the roadway in order to connect stormwater basins. 
This particular project will control stormwater near the north end of Benson Park Sculpture Garden and the south end of North Lake Park. The construction will take place Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and is estimated to last about two weeks. Traffic on 29th Street will not be affected, but the city warns residents and travelers that the process will cause loud banging noises and vibrations to the ground that nearby pedestrians may be able to hear or feel. On February 8, 2020, the Colorado House of Representatives passed the Colorado Partnership for Quality Jobs and Services Act. This legislation will improve state services and allow state employees to join together and bargain for better pay, benefits, and terms of employment. The act passed by a vote of 41 to 23. Democratic State Representative Denea Escar shared her approval of the bill stating, Today, the House passed legislation to support Colorado's hardworking state employees, the men and women who serve our veterans, keep our prisons safe, protect our air and water, and clear our roads in dangerous winter storms. I'm proud that House Democrats are standing with our state employees to provide them with the opportunity to fight for a better life for themselves, their families, and their communities. Under the Colorado Partnership for Colorado Jobs and Services Act, all calculations regarding wage and benefit issues must be included in the government's budget and will need to be approved by the Union Budget Committee and General Assembly. This process will allow for transparent action that the public can engage in. This bill is predicted to foster new partnerships between frontline workers and the state that will result in new ideas and better services. Another bill that passed on February 19, 2020, will be beneficial for Colorado residents residing in mobile home parks. The House Committee on Transportation and Local Government passed protections for mobile home park residents with the Right to Purchase Act. This bill will provide residents living in mobile home parks with an opportunity to purchase the land under their homes, secure new privacy for their homes, and acquire billing and retaliation protections. In Colorado, nearly 100,000 families live in mobile homes. They are the single largest source of unsubsidized affordable housing in the state. Unfortunately, mobile home residents are subject to arbitrary evictions and retaliations if they don't own the land beneath their home. The majority of Colorado residents living in mobile homes do not own the land beneath them. This means that if a park owner decides to sell the property, its residents have to face an often impossible task of re relocating their homes or leaving them altogether. House Representative Selena Gonzalez Gutierrez stated that, the Right to Purchase Act would give homeowners a path forward to purchase the land that they have been living on so that they don't have to go through the heartbreaking process of uprooting children from school and dismantling the stability that they have spent years building. The Right to Purchase Act is a huge win for residents living in mobile home parks and will give them the sense of security that they have deserved. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins, and this has been your local news host on the Rocky Mountain Review, Chrissy Conklin. Thanks, Chrissy. Yeah, thanks, Chrissy. Thank you. Alrighty. I really love that news about the mobile homes. I used to sell shaved ice uh, in mobile home. Really? Like, I, I would drive around a lot through, like, mobile home parks. And uh, they're really fun communities because I feel like, especially nowadays, uh, you don't see it. You, you don't go to a lot of neighborhoods. There's a lot of kids playing in the streets and stuff. Uh, I feel like a lot of kind of nowadays that's that's like, you know, unsafer. However, people see it. But y you go to mobile like mobile home parks and there's just so many people outside and like having fun and like. Yeah. interacting as a community that it's I think it's really fun I think it's really awesome. yeah it's definitely a connected community and if it gets sold it's kind of like an entire neighborhood is being being just uprooted yeah and uprooted and being forced out so this yeah. is a great that definitely is something that you don't really think about that the land under the mobile homes aren't owned by uh, the people in the mobile homes right in a swipe of a pen they can just mm -hmm. lose their home and where they are yeah Alrighty, we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back we're gonna hear from Olivia Martinez and Mc Michaela Dalton with the Student Parent Organization, so you're going to want to tune in for that interview. Um, and we still want to know, what's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? We had a TJ from Tampa. Ayo. Thanks Ayo. for texting in My again. brother. Hey. Uh, <laughs> tell us that uh, Samoa's easy money, but that's just for the mainstream people. For uh, the specials, like the lemon ones are usually better than the classics, according wow. to TJ, which controversial opinion right there that is controversial although we did say that the shortbread ones can be really addicting the more the that you eat one, the yeah. better they taste 
I think that's our so first vote in the office for Lemon. Obviously. I suppose so. And we'll, we'll have to tally that one. And we'll yeah. let you know what the Twitter poll results are later, but let's uh, take that break. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins. back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And my name is Maximus Hunter, and we are lucky enough to be in here today with two wonderful representatives from uh, Colorado State's Student Parent Organization. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Michaela Dalton. I'm the vice president. Hey, Michaela. Hi, I am Olivia Martinez, and I am the president of the Student Parent Organization. Thanks, Olivia. So glad to have you both here. Thanks for having us. Awesome. And before we went on break, we asked our listeners the question about what their favorite cookie, Girl Scout cookie, is. And they can still uh, text in at 970-491-5278 if they'd like to contribute to this conversation. But we would like to ask you what your guys' favorite Girl Scout cookies we are. Had a, we had a discussion in the back about this, and we, I don't know, we came up with uh, two very different answers. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, I am definitely all about the tagalongs. Yes! Yeah. Oh, That's another vote for tagalongs. I'm so happy. I have never even heard of tagalongs. What? I You've know. never heard of the best cookie as ever it, created? As it should be. As it should be. I, I gotta go with Samoa's. I yes. used to be a Thin Mint fan, but... This is a very divided... Yeah. Yeah, the divide <laughs> continues. This is like polarizing. This should be politics. Yes. It should be what politics yes. is. You vote based on what Girl Scout cookies the candidates <laughs> like. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Tell us about the student parent organization. What do you guys do? Uh, yeah, so Olivia and I kind of started this um, last semester. We sort of need, uh, saw a need on campus for a population that was kind of marginalized and, and just kind of... Like they swept under the rug, kind of, um, you know, students who are raising children. Um, I think that it's such an important population. Um, there's a, a sort of dedication that um, student parents and, a, you know, non-traditional students bring to campus. And um, I work in the adult learner and veteran services as a peer advisor. And so I, I work directly with non-traditional students. And so um, part of that population, we have parents in there and we just were hearing sort of the grievances and, and struggles and we we're like, well, we can do something about this. So let's, let's collaborate and, um, work to make this a, a more inclusive environment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely doing our best to just provide community and support for, um, people who are raising children and going to school. Yeah. So really what we do is um, we host events with the help of the Adult Learner and Veteran Service. Um, and um, we've done things like a day at the Discovery Museum. We're Fun. Yeah, we're doing, um, with the help of athletics, we're doing a day on Saturday um, for kids and the family to come and see the men's basketball game, get a picture with Cam the Ram and the team. And so, yeah, just things that we can help engage um, mm-hmm. that population. All righty. And would you guys be willing to touch a little bit on your personal connection to the organization? Yeah, um, I am a student parent. I have three kiddos. Um, So I have been at CSU for two years. Um, One of those years, my partner was also a student. So being on campus all the time, being in class full time, um, having like really heavy credit loads. Last semester, I took 21 credits um, and also trying to be present as a parent and be involved and can present a lot of challenges. Um, everything from, you know, making it to class parties on Valentine's Day to snow days when the school district closes and CSU doesn't. These are all just little things that happen on a regular basis that you have to deal with that um, a lot of other students don't necessarily have to deal with. Well, and that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of students don't really think about the challenges that student parents would have to face. So what what are some of those ways that student parents have to overcome obstacles that other students without kids don't? Oh, gosh. Uh, There are a lot of things. I think um, there's definitely like a pretty big time deficit for student parents. Typically, you're going to school, but you're also parenting and working. So you get up at 530 in the morning and get your kids ready for school and get them to school and get yourself to school or to work. 
and do all the things you have to do during the day. And then when you get home, it is not time for homework. It's time for dinner and baths and stories and your kids' homework. And then maybe by 10 p.m. you're doing your own work, you know. It's a full schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and actually I'm not a student parent, but my background's in early childhood development and I'm a human development major. So um, the well-being um, of parents and families is definitely something that I'm passionate about. Um, So having that sort of developmental lens um, when we talk about like advocacy is really important and what that day, you know, like what she's, what Olivia is saying about the day and what that looks like and how that impacts her as a student, as a mom, as a parent, you know what I mean? Like that's just mm-hmm. so important and yeah. um, in success. So, um, yeah. So why do you guys think it's important that student parents have a support network like this? Um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I know for myself, it's really nice to have another parent who's just kind of in it with you. Um, I know like last semester finals week was crazy. You pay for childcare all day long. Your kids are in school all day and then you have a final at 6 p.m. And so having someone to turn to and be like, hey, I can watch your kid for your Wednesday night final if you watch my kid for my, you know, Friday final. And having that support network is so incredibly helpful. Um, yeah. it's, it's been a really good thing for me. I mean, the implications of community, right? <clears throat> I mean, everybody wants to be a part of the community and a group that understands them and, is, and supports them. Mm-hmm. So... It, that and that really helps academically as well yeah. so so as far as the the amount of student parents on mm-hmm. campus and you know there are lots there are students on campus who aren't parents do you think there are some common misconceptions about student parents absolutely yes. um well first of all there's no marker for knowing like we have no idea how many student parents are on campus so that's part of one of our sort of barriers um i don't want to say barriers it's one of our challenges, challenges. yeah <laughs> we're working on it but you know not having a number um and not knowing exactly how big or small this population is um can be a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, repeat the question. <laughs> I was just curious about uh, common misconceptions yeah. regarding oh, yeah. student yeah, parents. Absolutely. And, um, and I know Olivia will be able to, as a parent, she will probably be able to yeah, voice I think, that better. You know, a lot of student parents aren't traditional college students, so we've come back later in life. We obviously mm-hmm. have had children, potentially had family. Um, you know, we've got all these other things going on. And I think the one thing I see most often is that people will make an assumption, something you've done something wrong, and that's why you're back here at school later in life. Um, but everyone has different circumstances and different things happen, and um, I think it would be really cool to see just a little bit more open-mindedness surrounding people who have a different path. Right, and even looking at like how people will look at us when the kids are on campus sometimes, they're like, yes, what? Very confused. Tiny humans? What is this? On this yeah. college campus? Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's just not, yeah. I just think a, a, a lot of college students, and this is this is just my, my own observation, a lot of college students are kind of unsettled by kids, especially yeah, around like the yeah. 18, 19, 20-year-old range. They'll like, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of people at that age aren't super used to interacting with yeah. kids anymore. Right. They haven't done it in a while. Yeah. And do, do you think that college as a, an institution exists in a way where parents are supposed to be a part of it or do you think that college is intentionally kind of tough well I don't know I just think about like the culture we live in and how college is supposed I'm doing air quotes supposed to happen right after you know high school and Livy and I both did not experience that um and there's benefits you know there's pros and cons to that right so I think I think when you talk about how um what is expected of people in you know in the states it's um yeah, there's sort of this like ageism where like if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, you should graduate by 22. You know, there's sort of these markers you're supposed to hit. But um, yeah, I think that that needs to change. So um, I think, you know, as non-traditional students and even as a parent, you bring a lot to class. You bring a lot to sort of this educational experience, whether it's maturity life experiences, whether it's in-class discussions that maybe traditional age students didn't see. I will say, though, that when we were handing out flyers on the plaza, um, we had Olivia's kids and some of our other um, members and their children hand out flyers, and all of the students were super nice to the kids Aww. and, like, so happy to take, you know, a flyer and candy. And I might really have been res- the candy, though. It might have been <laughs> the candy. They're like, what is this piece something, of paper? Some things don't change no matter how old you are. Yeah, it's right. True. And so... I. I, would, I don't want to say that every student is not, you know, can't relate to that or anything. They're, people have been pretty positive. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
So we appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So my mom actually didn't end up going to college because she had two kids. Right. So do you think services like the ones you guys offer encourage students to go back to school or to go to school while they have children? I would hope so. <laughs> That's um, kind of the goal, yeah. yeah. I think to provide an environment where people feel like, oh, when I get there, I'm not going to be the only one going through this. Right. You know, everybody wants connection. Mm-hmm. That's a normal human thing yeah. is and to look for connection. And I think also part of our, our mission is to be a conduit to other resources in the community mm-hmm. because whether you move out of state or you're just kind of new to the area, not knowing what's out there, or even if you're not new to the area, there's a ton of resources that we've learned about in the community just from doing the work that we do. Um, that's super awesome. And if we can pass that along and be sort of this stepping stone to, to better success, um, that's also part of our, our goal. Mm-hmm. Nice. So uh, I'm curious as a non-student parent, yeah. but as a student, um, even though it's called the student parent organization, are there ways that uh, students can support you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked about that. I mean, Olivia's you're studying social work and I'm mm-hmm. in human development, family studies. I mean, like I said, I'm not a student parent. We would love for people to get interested. I mean, if you're not a student parent, by no means does that mean you can't be involved or supportive. Yeah. We're going to have, with like Michaela was saying, we're going to have these events every month. We would love to see students who are not parents come out and, you know, facilitate activities with the kids and mm-hmm. and just be a part of the community um, because our community has some really wonderful people and some really wonderful kids in it. Yeah. So speaking of events, what kind of events do you guys host and what services do you guys offer? Um, yeah. Well, we have a monthly lunch meeting. Um, so the last Thursday of every month we meet here in the Lori Student Center it's a bring your own lunch, like round table kind of thing. And we talk about resources. Um, last month, Michaela had a speaker come in from an outside group who talked a little bit about um, financial resources for student parents, yes. things like that. Specifically single single parents. Yeah. Um, project self-sufficiency is, is a, a resource that we kind of partner with and have, have collaborated with. Mm-hmm. And then at least once a month, we're trying to do some sort of a family event or activity. So um, the 28th of mm-hmm. this month we have a movie night here in the student center Ooh, uh, at 6 p.m yeah. abominable it's a oh that's that new really one good. yeah that's yeah, yeah. yeah. there'll be free food yep and that's thanks to <laughs> adult learner veteran service and and ram events yes oh, help us make great. that happen yeah. so, so come watch a great movie yeah yeah it's you free can, free you can yeah. come by if you feel like you know yep got free food there's something you want to well, check I love, out i love us. hearing about uh you know different parts of the campus working right? together especially different resources oh on yeah campus working together. we're very well supported and we're really really lucky and appreciative that's of awesome. the support we get so. so um where can people learn more about you guys if they want to get involved or just check it out um if if you look up the student parent organization on ramlink Ram is a yeah. really good place we do have a facebook page um and yeah that's we have a, an email studentparentorg.csu at colorado state Edu. Um, there's also usually members around in the Adult Learner Veteran Services Office always. who would be willing to <laughs> talk about the group. And yeah. Olivia and I ourselves yeah. are almost always almost in, always in that there. office. That's where we live. <laughs> so come say hi for sure if you, yeah. if you feel like it. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking Thanks to us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but then after that, we're going to have a little bit of campus news with our very own reporter, Brittany Liskey. And then after that, we're going to have Max's piece with uh, Captain Cassandra Ross and Dr. Nick Pelosi. So you're going to want to check that out. And if you unfortunately missed our uh, interview today that we just ended, it's going to be up on the website at kcsufm.com as well as everything on our show. So make sure you check that out if you missed anything. Yep. And don't forget, we're still debating over Girl Scout cookies. That is going on still. I think you're going to lose this one. I I, (laughs) I don't think so. Look, I think, thank you. Tag along army. Hashtag TA. If you want to be a part of the tag along army, text us your favorite Girl Scout cookie that is tag alongs to 970-491-5278. Hashtag tag along army. 970-491-5278. Or you can respond to our Twitter poll at kcsufm.com. Let's make this a real hashtag. Yeah, we'll we'll check the poll after the break to see what what the real truth is. But <laughs> oh, boy. that doesn't sound promising. All right, stay tuned. Uh, you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Rocky Mountain Review on ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins.
Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. And we just heard from two founding members of the Student Parent Organization here at Colorado State University. And if you missed that discussion, it's going to be up on our website, kcgcufm.com, along with everything else we've ever done. Yeah, but to kind of continue with our listener question for the day and our debate in the office for the day, what is the best Girl Scout cookie? And we kind of have a little rivalry going on in the studio between Samoas and Tagalongs, but if you have anything to contribute to this discussion, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. Vote Tagalongs. I just learned if Tagalongs don't win, I have to win. I have to hold up the mic stands for the training DJs. Alrighty. It's going to be tough. That would it's be a lot that's a rough one, Max. Yeah. Alrighty, but I do have the poll numbers from uh, Twitter, and you can still vote on our Twitter page, uh, and that's going to be at uh, KCSUFM. And Samoas are coming in in first. No. Oh, man. At 46%. What? Thin Mints are in second at 32%, and Tagalongs have fallen uh, to 18%. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I am <laughs> angry. I don't know. Numbers don't lie. Uh, I mean, they don't, but come on, people. Where are our Tagalong fans All at? Right. Come so on. We just got to text, text in. in. Text in. Tweet in. Just just Tagalongs, guys. We, just we gotta, need you right now. We just got a text in that said Caramel Delights, which are the generic form or whatever they changed it to, um, form of Samoas. Are a box at a time kind of cookie. I, I'm pretty sure the caramel delights are the other ones where no. they're like shortbread with pieces of caramel. In no, caramel delights are. Are those the Dulce uh, de Leches? No, caramel delights are Samoas. Because they had to change all of the names. Are you sure they didn't write chocolate with peanut butter inside? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that says tagalongs and you're misreading I'm pretty sure it. you misread that. This yeah. person, another person uh, texted in and said their vote is for the new s'mores. So. Didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, there's a new s'more Gonna try one. that. That sounds uh, cool. One of my friends said that was also their favorite, so I might have to try that as well. Um, we'll double check on what the caramel delights are. I'm pretty sure that is um, the Samoas. Yeah, but you're biased. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it is, but I could be wrong. I'm not going to say I'm wrong, but I could be. Uh, but we'll keep you updated. But first, we have a little bit of news from Brittany Liske. Hello, everybody. I'm Brittany Liske, and this is your campus news for February 20th on 90.5 at KCSU-FM Fort Collins. For those of you interested in voting in the upcoming primary election, you are able to do so right at Colorado State's campus. The Durrell Center is preparing to serve as one of the five in-person voting locations in Larimer County. Larimer County election staff began setting up the voter service and polling center on Durrell in, on Wednesday, February 19th, and beginning on Monday, February 24th through 7 p.m. On Super Tuesday, March 3rd, citizens will be able to drop off completed ballots obtain replacement ballots, change their address, or register to vote and cast their ballot in person at the center. Because the voting center is open to the public, there may be increased traffic around the area of Durrell. According to the CSU Parking and Transportation Services, parking, public parking will be available in the Moby Arena pay-to-park section, and ADA accessible parking is available in the Moby and Westfall parking lots. Additional information, including the hours of the Durrell Center, can be found on CSU's website. On Tuesday, March 3rd, the Women in Science Network at Colorado State University will ho host its fourth annual symposium at Canvas Stadium. The event will commemorate Women's History Month and will also mark CSU's 150th celebration. The event is open to the public and will start at 11.45 a.m. with a poster session, international art exhibit, and works from the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame Portrait Gallery. Along with that, Dr. Yvonne Cagle, NASA astronaut, family physician, and retired colonel in the United States Air Force, will provide the keynote address, which starts at 2.15 p.m. Candice Mathiazan, associate professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Pathology, and a co-founder of the Women in Science Network, said that day speakers and events will explore the theme, Building Bridges to the Future. Later in the day, the symposium will feature career issues, a breakout session with speakers who will discuss a variety of topics under the STEM umbrella, including first-generation students, mentoring, gender equality, and LGBTQ issues in the workplace. 
Again, the symposium will be taking place on March 3rd from 11.45 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the Canvas Stadium and is open to the public. I think it's so exciting that we have so many symposiums at CAC. We had the Water Symposium earlier this year. Uh, we had the Diversity Symposium earlier this year. I know uh, it's great that we get to hear from so many educated people. From all around the country. It's so exciting. They're all coming to Colorado State. I just like the word symposium. So. It is a fun word. <laughs> I suppose it's pretty good. Okay, that I was no terrible. Longer like that, the no, word. that was a good one. That ruins the word for me officially. <laughs> symposium is over. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, on January 23rd, Colorado State University CIDA signed a memorandum of understanding with the National University of Mongolia. This new agreement is designed to foster collaboration on education and research. This agreement will also allow the universities to develop joint graduate courses, training efforts, and graduate research studies. Mongolia previously recognized two researchers from the Warner College of Natural Resources for the long-term efforts in the country. CSU, CSU professor Maria Fernandez Gimenez received the Order of the Polar Star from Mongolia, which is the highest civilian honor the country presents to foreign nationals. And in 2013, Professor Emeritus Dennis Oima was honored as a champion of the environment by the Mongolian Minister of the Environment and Green Environment. My name is Brittany Liskey, and this was your campus news on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thanks, Brittany. Um, so we, we've had four people texted in the last, like, five minutes uh, about this debate. This is the hottest debate in yeah. KCSU hi history. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, all right. So let's let's go through these, yeah? Yeah, let's definitely. All right. So we've gotten a couple that haven't been mentioned before. So Morgan from New Hampshire likes Samoas, of course. Um, and Morgan, then, Morgan. That's not what we talked about. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> all right. And then Nancy I appreciate likes, you trying. Uh, Dosey Dose. Chrissy, I appreciate you trying. Oh, I forgot about Dosey Dose. And Trefoils. Trefoils. Oh, those Tre are those the are the ones we were talking shortbread about. Shortbread ones. Yeah, the yeah. shortbread, shortbread ones. ones. I'm a fan of. I think we're both. A oh, fan the of those ones too. that get better as you keep eating them. Oh, right. Yeah, they're awesome. And then Zach is the person who said caramel delights, and I looked it up, and caramel delights are Samoas. Oh man. I don't like how far Samoas are pulling ahead right now. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. We need to find the, like the National Association for the Advancement of Tagalongs. Well, Max, there's then... still time to change your mind. And Nick was the oh, one who said how that. How dare you? <laughs> Hold on. It's not too late to see the light and the truth. It's never too which late. Which is, Samoas are the best. I refuse to be evangelized by <laughs> your cookie taste. Um, Nick is the one who texted in and said that he likes the new s'mores flavor. So, nice. Awesome. I wonder yeah. if that was uh, Nick from The Office. Maybe. Wait, no, he likes Tagalongs. Yeah, he likes Tagalongs. He likes tagalongs. He's tagalongs. one of the three out of... 40 people. The anyway. three best people in the office. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. But if you want to contribute to this hot button topic, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. The stakes have never been higher. Really? Um, but we did want to talk a little bit about what Brittany uh, mentioned in her newscast, and that's about theater here at CSU and just theater in general. Yeah. Um, so I I used to do theater. I know Ren used to do theater. Uh, Chrissy, Brittany, did either of you guys used to do theater? You know, I did used to do uh, theater growing up. I was in musicals and plays in uh, middle school. And then I took part in Destination Imagination. Did you guys have that? Yes. In your middle schools? Yes, we did. I did not. I don't know what that is. What is that? I, from what I can remember, it was <laughs> like we put together a group and then it was kind of an improv team and you would travel and compete against other schools. That's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, it was really fun. And then the other kind of theatrical thing I did in high school was I was a TV anchor on my high school TV show, which wow. was that was really fun. And that's how you got here. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> Very and because cool. Max asked me in class. Yeah. <laughs> lucky uh, combination lucky of circumstances. Right place, right time. Heck yeah. Brittany, what about you? I guess I'm kind of the odd one out here, but I have had a no experience with theater. That's perfect. That means you can you can no hit acting us with in the your... mirror, no fake arguments in the mirror. Can... Okay, maybe that. Okay, you can hit us with your unvarnished opinion, which is perfect because the rest of us have been tainted by. Tainted. I'll be the objective one in the room. <laughs> tainted by theater. I mean, I, I theater was such an so I was like I did theater from like ages like 14 through 17 mostly. And I would, you know, I'd go because it was a class and a, a club that didn't feel like school or a club. But um, looking back on it, I think 
theater is such an interesting skill set because I don't I don't act anymore except for when I'm forced to. Um, and I don't I don't really you know use much of many of those like stagecraft skills or memorization skills. We're lucky enough to have scripts here. But uh, I do think that some of the skills I got from theater, improvisation, uh, physical awareness of where you are in relation to a place. I mean, just the public speaking that, you know, you learn from doing theater is really important. I feel yeah. like that's part of the reason why I have such a great radio voice, Max. It's true. I think that's why you have such a great radio voice. Is oh, thank you. you practice this. Public speaking is <laughs> uh, yeah. tough. It is tough. Yeah, I did a lot of theater growing up. Uh, growing up dancing, like musicals were my jam. Um, I, did. I can see it can so Can you sing? Much. I can sing. Awesome. Not right now. <laughs> I can show you the world. Max is on it. Don't even worry about it. Anyway, that was good. Yes, it was. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I did like Adelaide and Guys and Dolls and uh, Susical the Musical. That's impressive. Um, and I recently did Audrey and Little Shop of Horrors. And I just auditioned for Xanadu, which is a super campy 80s roller skate musical. So Golly gee. You have to be acting and roller skating Heck at the same yeah, time? yeah, you do. Wow. <laughs> that should be like an Olympic sport what or something. What a dream role. Um, but yeah, I really liked acting growing up. I did speech and debate a lot, too, and I went to nationals. This is just me tooting my horn, living out my glory days on live Take uh, your radio. moment. Heck yeah, yeah, might as well. But, yeah, I agree with Max. It was a really, uh, as much as I don't really want that to be part of my life anymore, I mean, yes, I still am auditioning for stuff, but um, it does give you a lot of really good skills that do help you in life, like how to speak eloquently. Um, At the same time, I feel like I introduced this as saying theater tainted us, and I would like to say that I think... I think, uh, I think we're privileged because of it. I think it helps us. I think it helps us. I, I do think that... Um, if this isn't theater itself, but more like like doing theater when you're a kid, I think, and I, I saw this more in some of my friends, but being very successful in theater in high school can give you a very unrealistic sense of how successful an actor you're going to be after that you is, graduate high school. Yeah, that is Straight to Hollywood. True. Straight to Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No stops. I mean, is <laughs> that not train. how it works? <laughs> I think something that sucked about theater is it like really gave me a bad sense of, like, or fear of rejection, almost. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know. Like, at my audition yesterday, I was like, I'm going to throw up. Like, I don't want them to, like, I don't want them to hear me. I don't want to talk to them. And then I was like, well, what am I doing? Like, yeah, why am I here then? Constantly being judged. And I feel yeah. like being nervous really affects your, you know, audition. Your audition and your, your overall shake. confidence and then how you do on that. And I, I think it's so interesting because in life we're usually encouraged to – be okay with rejection and learn to accept rejection. And the better you are at taking rejection, you know, the better you're going to do in life and not letting it get to you. And in theater, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely think that's one of the main reasons. Because I was, for a long period in my life, thinking of going into musical theater as a profession. Um, but I think that's one of the main reasons I decided not to is because a large part of your job is learning how to deal with people telling you you're not good enough. And, and then to listen to them. Like they yeah, don't and then, want you right. and you accepting that. And mm -hmm. I just didn't want that to, and I know it can become like very toxic very quickly to your mindset, but that is true of I think many performing arts careers, unfortunately. I mean, as an actress yourself, do you think that you walk away from it a little discouraged or do you take that criticism and change? I think it depends on how comfortable I am in my skill set. Like I've always said I'm very comfortable. Like I know like how well I perform. And I think every time I've yeah. gone into an audition, I know where I stand. But I think that can be difficult as a younger actress or actor, not really knowing where you like fall and kind of being like, oh, well, I, that was like the best I could have done. And I still didn't yeah. get anything. I think I think the exactly the older you do it, the more you kind of know when you go into an audition if it went well or didn't. But I also the that's that's almost just as bad. There's no uh, there's there's such polar extremes, and there's no you know you did a good job, and you know you could have done better. And we're still proud of you. It's either you make it or you don't. And I mean I guess that's true for you know trying out for a sport. I'm curious, Brittany. You've been very quiet this whole time. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I've never really gone through this process, but I feel like it kind of depends on your mindset going into it, whether you're going to say, hey, I'm going to learn from this, um, from this more negative feedback, or you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm the worst, I shouldn't do this, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you got to kind of have a tough skin to go in it for sure, oh, yeah. but then it also depends on your mindset and what you want to do with that feedback. Well, and I, I think a tough skin is good, so I, uh, in my theater career, shockingly, 
I was not ever cast as the lead actor. Um, I was I was always almost always like the secondary character comic relief. Like I the was lead just actor's about to say, friend. you were the comedic relief, weren't you? Yeah, I totally was. Um, and uh, I actually and now I think that's awesome. But at the time, I really didn't like it. I mean, the the guy who was always the main actor was like my best friend, and I, I just you know I was like, oh my god, why can't they ever take me seriously? <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a funny person sometimes, but I love. Uh, all, all parts of life. And so I think uh, theater often lets people feel like they're being typecast in real life and not yeah. just on the stage. I was yeah. gonna, before we like close up, that was something I was going to say too, is you kind of have to like realize that you're being typecast by your looks too, which is like a weird thing to like, you, like how do I look? Do I look excuse like... Excuse me, if the... I was being typecast by my looks, I would be the love interest in every <laughs> oh, play. okay. I don't know, but especially for women, like I'm not pretty enough to be the lead woman or whatever i'm not whatever you know in hypothetically yeah but it is an interesting kind of psychological thing that like you always are this certain person you're always the blonde pretty lead you're always the uh bigger sidekick i don't know it's an interesting kind of dynamic that kind of gets into your head after a while yeah Mm -hmm. and then where does that line like start to blur from reality this is all i am it's a funny Mm-hmm. And now Psychic. that I don't do theater, how much has that influenced me now to an extent that I'm not conscious of? Like, that's Ooh, this got deep. always fun. <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, yeah, let's so... All right, let's get a move, little bit deeper. Yeah, we're going to move on to something actually heavier. <laughs> um, and normally we like to say we're going to move on to something lighter, but this is actually pretty serious. So um, I was lucky enough earlier today to talk with Executive Officer for the 120th Airlift and the Montana National Guard, Captain Cassandra Ross, and Dr. Nick Pelosi, who is a governmental action officer and a doctor studying the psychological traumas caused to members of the military and veterans. And they are both a part of a campaign called the Real Warriors Campaign, which focuses on helping veterans and active duty service members find treatment for psychological issues, identify psychological issues, and learn to go through their day-to-day lives. And it was uh, very powerful. Captain Ross has gone through the Real Warriors campaign herself to find help. And uh, if you or someone you know is um, having a hard time dealing with the reality of service, then this is a really valuable resource. Hey, how's it going? Great, how are you? I'm doing Great. well. Yeah. Can I get you to introduce yourselves? My name is Captain Cassandra Ross. I'm the executive officer for the 120th Airlift Wing. Thank you, Captain Ross. Hi, I'm Dr. Nick Polizzi. I'm the governmental action officer for the Real Warriors campaign. Awesome. Thank you, Doctor. All right, so we're going to go ahead and just hop right in. What makes psychological well-being such an important issue in our military? You know, psychological well-being, psychological health is as equally important as physical health. It's just health care. So it's, you know, much like if you had a a banged-up knee, then that could possibly impact your work as a a service member if, you know, you've got to use your knees when you work, and most of us aren't sitting at desks all day. Um, Similarly, if you're, you have sort of something going on psychologically, whether you're, you're getting too little sleep or too much sleep, um, whatever it may be, maybe you're increasing use of your substances, maybe you're, you're not feeling yourself. You could have, it could have an equally important and detrimental impact on the mission as somebody with that banged-up knee. It's really important to get, to get the whole body, body and mind, squared away so that you know, you're your happiest, healthiest self. And then also the, the mission of the military is, is met most optimally. Makes sense. So what does the Real Warriors campaign do to counter psychological issues? Real Warriors Campaign is the Defense, of, Defense Department's public campaign of record to in, increase public awareness about mental health care help-seeking and to decrease stigma, stigma surrounding psychological health problems. What we're trying to do as the campaign is to normalize psychological health as just health care, which is, which is what it is. We're trying to increase awareness and get people to, if they're so motivated, to get help early and to learn more about psychological health earlier on before a small problem becomes a big problem. Our main tool to do that is getting out and speaking to folks like you, which we appreciate, and talking to your audience, and then also running, we have uh, realwarriors.net. So all one word together, realwarriors.net, and that is the website 
for the Real Warriors campaign where somebody on their on their own time can go and learn a lot more about psychological health issues that may be pertaining to them, like anger, stress, PTSD, uh, sleep problems, fi- managing your finances, family relationships, things like that. You can learn more about that and get smart on it, as we say in the military, and then also, we could see a lot of personal stories on there from other real warriors like Captain Ross, who's on the line with us, the folks that had, uh, you know, they just weren't quite themselves, and then they reached out for help and got care, and, and they're the better for it. Um, and similarly, the Real Warriors campaign has a really active and strong presence on Facebook. Um, we have about 125,000 fans and about 50,000 followers on Twitter. And that's nice, but what that does is it, it's a real community of active duty service members, veterans, and their family members. So you can realize, hey, I'm not alone, and you can learn more about psychological health that way and and interact with the campaign that way. So the idea is to socialize and normalize psychological health care for as many people as possible so that when they're ready, they can go learn more about uh, whatever topic is of interest to them and maybe get care earlier versus waiting until it's a lot later. Well, that's definitely a good thing. So um, I'm curious, Captain Ross, maybe you can tell me a little bit about your own experience, but what does a psychological um, issue or trauma look like in a member of our military or a veteran? It can look like so many different things. Psychological health is very individual. For me, it manifested as I couldn't sleep, I couldn't focus, um, I was really short-tempered with my family, and when I was stepping to the airplane, I just was not present, and I wasn't able to do my job really well because I was constantly distracted and anxious and nervous, and it can manifest in a lot of different ways. So what kind of resources do you provide to help deal with these kind of stresses and issues? So the realwarriors.net, there's a lot of resources on there for reaching out to get care. They can help you find care. Uh, there's also just informational packets that a lot of times that's where people need to start is just diving into it a little bit and realizing that there's a lot more stuff that we can do to care for ourselves on the front end and be proactive with our psychological health rather than reactive to situations. So what's the biggest challenge that the Real Warriors campaign faces in doing this? You know, it's just a matter of getting the word out to as many people as possible. I mean, there's, there's tens of thousands of service members and veterans and their families. And, you know, what's nice to say is that the research is telling us that over the past 20-some-odd years, you know, stigma around psychological health is going down, which is terrific. So, you know, the more opportunities... We have, you know, I have as a mental health person, professional, and the Real Warriors campaign with the help of Captain Roth has to get out and speak to as many people as possible. Um, that's perfect. We do a lot of outreach. We get out there and, and meet with the reservists and active duty at various events. We do uh, presentations for clinicians at, 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 at VAs and at military treatment facilities. We're all about spreading the word. And so I think, you know, the challenge would be just, you know, paying it forward and, and, and having folks become aware of Real Warriors campaign and then using it and talking about it, which is why we have all these. I mean, their Facebook is fun, but it, it, no doubt, but it's also strategic to help people learn and go and forward some of our materials and posts and, and learn more about it. Because um, we have great stuff, but it doesn't do anybody any good just sitting on a website. We, we really want to drive folks there to learn and, uh, and to get smarter on these subjects so that they can help each other. Um, you know, oftentimes the, the best help to a service member in need is a fellow service member or their leader. And if they've been to Real Warriors and, and they're tracking on the resources available, then they can help inform them right then and there. They're, they're more spun up on the subject. So really just sharing the knowledge, disseminating the information, that's the greatest challenge. But thanks to you, we're, uh, we're one step further as a result of this discussion. As a civilian, I, I care a lot about this because I want to do something to help. How can other civilians help if they want to help? Well, I think just listening and being attuned. You know, a lot of times I get asked, <clears throat> excuse me, like they'll say, what are some of the symptoms I need to look out for? And honestly, the most pressing symptom, if you will, is almost too obvious or too easy. And that is when, you know, you're, you're with a friend, um, maybe they've been uh, their active duty or they were and they're a veteran, and you just notice they're not something as simple as they're just not quite themselves. Now, I know that, you know, life happens and some days are better than others and, and you know, our moods change because we're human beings and, and that's how it goes. 
But I mean, if someone's not, not quite themselves in, in, in whatever way you're used to them being, and they seem more unhappy or restless or irritated or angry or, or depressed, and this is kind of more days off than on. They're not themselves more regularly now than, than, they, than they are themselves. The thing you can do is to reach out to them. And it's not, it's great to say, hey, listen, you know, no, you know, not everybody's a psychologist like me, right? But they can say, hey, listen, you're within your rights to say, I noticed you're just not quite yourself. Um, I care about you. Is there anything going on? Can, what can I do to help? Is, is everything all right? And what we're finding from the research is that is often enough to get somebody on the right path towards exploring, you know, seeking help for, for their own issue is just recognizing it. Because sometimes we don't even recognize it in ourselves until someone taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm a little worried. Um, what's going on? Can I help with anything? And then that can break the ice. So just not being afraid, not worrying about hurting the relationship with your friend or, you know, uh, getting in their business. No, I mean, if, if they're your friend or coworker or family member, you're within your right to say, hey, I'm a little worried. Tell me what's going on. Is there anything I can help with? That can often help get somebody pointed in the right direction. What kind of things can be changed in order to promote better psychological well-being in our military? I think one of the biggest things that we can do to promote it is to tell our stories to let people know that we're human and we've struggled with things. I mean, it can be simple things. It doesn't have to be huge traumas. It can be... Yeah, I struggled with finances, and here's the things that got me healthy. Or, no, I went through a divorce, and I really struggled with that. And just talking about the fact that we've seen counselors and that things have been a challenge for us really starts to break the ice and make it normalizes the fact that everybody has struggles, and there's professionals out there to help us guide us through some of those. So I was looking on your website, and the Real Warriors campaign uh, lists as the first part of its key message that psychological stress as a result of deployment is common. Your organization focuses on treating these psychological wounds and illnesses after they happen, but wouldn't it be more prudent to focus on preventing this kind of thing before it happens? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's part of a lot of the messaging within Real Warriors is to, you know, if stress is common no matter what, but there are things we can do that are helpful to help us remain resilient and, frankly, things that are harmful. And, you know, if you start thinking about you don't have to be a service member to know sometimes when people get stressed, I don't know about you, but, you know, it impacts their sleep. And maybe they're not able to fall asleep as well, or maybe they're not able to stay asleep and, and they wake up, so they're more groggy. So then it comes the next night and they really want to go to sleep, and they're like, well, I don't usually drink on, in the weekdays, but now it's the weekend, or maybe, but now I need to fall asleep. Maybe I'll have just one or two beers and to help me fall asleep. And so next thing you know, uh, a common issue such as stress is now being made all the more worse. It's exacerbated by some maladaptive coping behaviors that, that I'm describing in this example, right? So I think part of it is getting ahead and, you know, having the prevention of, such an, of, of these things be, be at the forefront to educate people about proper sleep hygiene, about, you know, the effects of alcohol and substances and, you know, knowing when your check engine light, so to speak, goes off, uh, where to turn to. Because help-seeking on Real Warriors is absolutely like trying to get connected to care, but it could also be learning, you know, five strategies to help you sleep better or five strategies to remain more mission-ready. That can go a long way, too. But you're right. We need to be prepared on both ends. We'd like to prevent this as much as possible, but life happens. And then how do we cope? Well, Real, Real Warriors can help us cope. So in order to be proactive, I think we need to recognize that the knowledge is what makes us proactive. As some of us, I know I, I have a rapport with the counselor that I see about, I don't know, once every other week. And that's me being proactive so that when things come up, I know who I can talk to. But the knowledge that psychological health is normal and it's just as important as fitness, physical health, and building the relationships with our, our brothers in arms and with people outside the military ahead of the trauma, that's being proactive. That's how we're, we're getting ahead of the curve on this, or we're trying to. I think that's the kind of insight that could really help people. For anyone who is listening to the show and this, this was relevant to them, this hit home for them, I know you said it already, but where could they learn more if they wanted to learn more? Absolutely. They would be very welcome to go to realwarriors.net. And that's, that's a great place to start off, to, to dip one's proverbial toe into the world of psychological health. And then follow us on Facebook, Real Warriors Campaign, and then on Twitter as well, Real Warriors Campaign. Um, 
those are great places to start. There's many other wonderful resources out there, and we try to connect to a lot of them. But I think Real Warriors campaign website, realwarriors.net, is a, is a, is a wealth, has a wealth of information and knowledge that's really easily digestible and can help point somebody uh, in the right direction if they want to get more uh, insight into something else. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having You're us. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. So that was the Real Warriors campaign, uh, Captain Cassandra Ross and Dr. Nick Pelosi, and uh, I thought that was just powerful. I mean, they're, they're talking about a really serious thing that affects people who fight for our country, and uh, it, it matters. And so if, if you missed part of that or you want to hear it again, you want to show it to a friend, um, you can find that on our website, kcsufm.com. Yeah, and if you missed our interview with Olivia Martinez and Michaela Dalton, uh, they're the president and vice president of the Student Parent Organization, you can go ahead and find that at kccfm.com. And also, we have the final polls. Oh no, here we go for the cookie debate. Let's let's not use the word final. That sounds too final. This final is period. This is the final one. You can actually still vote for uh, 23 more hours. Nice. So these or, well, are... 19 hours and 33 minutes. Tag okay, along, comeback. Um, but as of now, Samoas are still in the lead. They've taken one more point away from Tagalongs. They're at 45. Thin Mints are at 34, and uh, Tagalongs are at 17, and Trefoils are at four. So at least you're not Trefoils. Yeah. It could be worse. It's like saying, at least you're not like Jeb Bush. You're just, you know, Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, but unfortunately, I don't smell cookies in the air. But there is something in the air. Is there something in there the air? There is something in the air. That There's we, something in the we air. We have to address it. Is Wait. Is that? Is that? I can't. <gasps> wait. It's the weather. It oh, just man. might be. Oh, man. Oh, man. Tell us about the weather. I would love to. Brittany, you need to scroll down. So, today is... I mean, it's warmer today than it was the other day. It's finally sunny again. At least there's no wind. Because even when it's sunny outside and the wind is hitting, it's freezing. All right, the weather gods have given me my foretelling of the future. All right. I'm the weather god. Today was a high of 25 degrees, but it felt a lot warmer than that due to the sun being out all day. Good call, Chrissy. Thank you. Friday and Saturday, you can expect twin forecasts, both with a high of 51 and sunny all day for both days. Really? That's awesome. So, yeah, it's going to be nice and sunny and warm all weekends. Don't expect the warm weather to stick around, though, because on Sunday, the high is going to drop to 39 degrees, and there's a high chance of snow. So uh, it's going to be nice and cold and snowy for Monday when we come back to school. High of 44 degrees if it gets up there, but those clouds are going to stick around. So enjoy your weekend, folks, because it's going to be real nice, and then it's not anymore. <laughs> but that's it. That's our show. Um, you know, that we had a really good time today. We do have a few thank yous to do. We'd like to thank Damien Castile, and he made the song that goes a little something like this. Ooh. Yeah, that song. Thanks, Damien. What a nice fade in for Damien Castile's music. Alrighty, we have to thank our amazing reporters, Brittany and Chrissy. Brittany's actually been running the board for a little bit, so kudos to her for just jumping in and doing Trying that. Some new things. Doing yeah, a good job. Yeah. Uh, we also have to get uh, thank our guests, Olivia Martinez and Michaela Dalton, as well as Captain Cassandra Ross and Dr. Nick Pelosi. Thank you, uh, everyone. A lot of personal stories today. Thank you for sharing those with us. Thank you for sharing those with the community. Um, we have to make sure that we thank all the wonderful people we work with. Uh, that includes Hannah Copeland, Julia Badalese, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, um, Monty Daniels, Mia Sawaya, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, um, Taylor Sandal, Desiree, um, this is Sam, 
Thank you, Sam. He's standing right here. Sam has been watching over our shoulders for half of the show, yes. like a like a little guardian angel. Yes, he has. And uh, I'd like to thank Ren Wadsworth. That's me. That's you. Wow. Thank you for all the work you do and for the awesome energy you bring into the show. Yeah, well, thank you, Max. While you may be wrong about <laughs> uh, what kind of cookies are good and what aren't, um, you're I'm never so wrong about what's wrong good on the that. show. So thank you for that. And we have to thank you. We couldn't do this yes, without you. Yes, you. And until then. We'll see you see next, you next time. time.